Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Great to have you along. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Terrell Holmes. Terrell is a fascinating guy and he is the leader of The Good Org. And Terrell is an executive coach for leaders in rapidly changing tech companies based, I believe, in San Francisco in the Bay Area. So before we get into it all, Terrell, thank you very much for joining me today. Great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to it. So yeah, I said you're an executive coach for leaders in rapidly changing tech companies. What exactly does that mean? So firstly, who do you help? And then what is it that you do to help them? So who do I help? I like to just go for the high potential employees. So folks who are just getting into management or about to bounce into management. They used to be team leads or a team lead now, and now they're going to be directors moving into managing departments, that sort of a thing. And at that point, that's when people oftentimes move from a really great technical skill base and have to start developing a leadership and communications skill base within an organization that's a tech company. As I was just saying, you know, there's that tech focus. This person got promoted three times because they're really good at what they do, but it does not make them a good manager or a good leader. Absolutely. So that's who I'm really focused on. And like I said, in a tech company, that's one of those really specific things is you're changing these team leads into true communication leaders who really can communicate very well at a high level. Yeah. So that's a classic story. And not just in the tech sector, you've got the technical expert, everyone goes to them for the answers and problems to be solved. So then the natural inclination is, all right, let's promote them. They are now team lead, manager, maybe on the fast track to become an executive, but they don't necessarily have the leadership skills. And so I guess that's what you're saying. That's where you step in. What are the kinds of challenges and problems, issues that you help them work on, I guess, free them up to take that next step? Yeah. You know, the thing I see the most, I think, is a new manager who has trouble communicating with their employees. So in particular, you have a situation where two or three employees might have some conflict And this new manager doesn't understand how to handle conflict because it's not something they ever had to deal with before. And so there are two parts. One is I can work with that manager and the team. I like to do that. I like to go in and give them some basics around good communication, how to communicate well, skill them up in that. And then at the same time, coaching the manager one-on-one. So meet with the team, say once a month, help them work through anything difficult to come up, coach them in the moment. And at the same time, coaching that manager in the background so that they can start to really adopt some of those best practices. And even, you know, if I do my job right in three or four months, they won't need me anymore because the manager will be able to deal with any sort of conflicts that might come up between people on the team, as well as between themselves and somebody on the team. Yeah. I love that because we've all been on the training course, the two-day thing. We go away on some off-site workshop and you feel like a changed person, then you come back. But the way you're structuring it is you're helping them, but you continue to help them and also make change to the organization around them, the team around them, which embeds the improved behaviors and leadership styles, et cetera. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's absolutely right, Ben. Some of my colleagues and I call it, we talk about a drop and run, how a lot of people who do what I do, it's this drop and run. They go in, they talk to some folks, they train, give them a day or two of training a week, and then they're gone. I would rather take that week and spread it out over several months. So communication, leadership, they're such broad terms, right? What are examples of either individual situations or problems you've helped people resolve to become executives or progress up that leadership ladder? I love that question because I have this one situation that really gets me excited. One of my (laughs) favorite is a team of five folks who have been working together for a long time. I mean, they'd known each other for probably 10 or 15 years and been working together for five to eight of those. The situation was that two of the individual contributors butting heads a lot, just a whole lot. All four of the individual contributors didn't feel that their director was able to manage that particular conflict. And for that matter, they didn't have much confidence in that person's ability to just be a regular everyday manager. I went in and I started this presentation about psychological safety. I'm not going to get into the assessment we did and all that stuff. But about 15 minutes into this presentation about psychological safety, those questions started, well, what do you do when? What do you do when? And then what came out was, well, Manager, you always ask me when I'm going to come to the office. This is the midst of COVID. When I'm going to come to the office, how long I'm going to be there? When am I taking lunch? You're micromanaging me. I can't do this. And the manager said, I ask you that because I hate being in the office by myself. I just want to know when you're going to be here because I don't want to be lonely. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that happens. That's the kind of situation that we start to get into. We spent another three hours kind of impromptu working with all of these folks And in the end, we found out that there were two people, two of the team members 14 years ago had what one saw as a minor conflict and the other one saw as a grand conflict. Oh, wow. And that's been festering for 14 years. Wow. Which divided them into factions. You know, there are a few levels of things there when it comes to communication and then coaching that manager to handle conversations between herself and others so she can be stronger, take more of a role as a leader when she needs to, and be able to have hard conversations. It's such a tricky area. And I don't want to generalize about the tech sector, but let's say you've got lots of engineers there and they want things in certain boxes. I'm an XHR guy, so I can say this about them. I'm guessing that some of them would say, look, can you just give me a big workbook that tells me if someone says this or asks me this, I say that. Yeah. And can you do that? And if not, or if so, how do you handle that and help them get through that? It's a yes and no on that. So first of all, I think it's important to talk about one of the specifics of tech and wanting a workbook. You're going to find a higher instance of neurodiverse people in tech. Right. With that, that whole transformational leadership thing that we're all really focused on, that's not going to work anymore. Sometimes they need very specific instructions. So it's a valid concern for somebody who works in tech, especially becoming a manager. That being said, I have very specific skills and very specific steps that I'll work through with that manager as we work through coaching, as we do team coaching. So it could be as simple as here is a specific structure for this sentence. When you come in late, I have a narrative that you are shirking your time and you're being irresponsible because you'd rather be drinking coffee with your friends. I don't know. What you hear there is you hear, I'm stating my feeling. I'm letting you know that I have a narrative in my head and I'm telling you what that narrative is. At that point, I would tell that manager, okay, pause. And then ask the person, is any of this true? 
So yeah, we can break it down into specific steps as I train folks. And the goal is the more adept you become with this, the more of your own language you start to adapt, you get more of a feel for it. It's a bit like music. There's only a set number of notes. Once you've got that mastered and structured, then you can have all kinds of creativity flowing from that. So you can adapt your own style and all that sort of thing, right? Right. There is structure to improvisation and music, but it's still improvisation. So yeah. Love it. And then, so the types of people, what's the end goal for them? Is it just to resolve certain situations or is it to help them, I don't know, progress in their career? What are the kinds of people that you're helping or what are they wanting to achieve? I think you gave a great example. Let's say an amazing engineer at a large tech company. They've done great. They've been promoted three times. They have had some small teams. Now they're a director. There are multiple functions underneath them. And they're just, I need a workbook. I don't understand how this works, right? I think that encapsulates the type of person. I've worked with a lot of folks who have moved from director to VP, even up to a C-level at a small gaming company. Mm -hmm. The big question these people have is, like you said, just tell me what to do. They say, tell me what to do. How do I do it? And I'll go do it. Really good with instructions. So the type of people, it starts from that person who I'm going to call just a high potential manager, who you might call a leader, all the way up through that new C-level person. That's who I'd be working with. They can take these skills anywhere. They can take these skills. They can take them as planned in the workplace, right? But at the same time, taking them outside the workplace, being able to talk through conflicts at home in other places where they might just encounter issues that they could be out shopping and they might encounter some problems. But it also builds confidence. So as a leader, I know I can deal with any situation. As someone once said to me early in my training, I believe that you have the skills to get yourself out of any situation you might get yourself into because you said your real thoughts. I love it. I'm smiling because, yeah, I don't think it is just restricted to the workplace. A soccer coach, family relationships, because the example you shared where they had something festering for 14 years, having a model or a thinking process where they could share and communicate in a structured way so that they resolve it, man, that's a much happier 14 years if you can get that one resolved. So I could teach you to change your relationship, but I'm not a therapist, right? (laughs) (laughs) For me, when I first started doing this and learning, it literally changed my marriage. Wow. A good way. I can see that happening. So what are the ways that people might try and resolve these sorts of challenges, but in not so effective ways? They might think of working with you, whether it be in the one-to-one or the organizational coaching or consulting avenues. But if they want to look at other options, what kinds of things have you seen that have failed or not worked so well? Oh, well, failed and not work so well. I think failure most occurs when a person says, I'm just going to keep this under wraps. It'll go away. There's this concept we talk about in my community of practice about pinches and crunches. And a pinch is like, oh man, that thing kind of annoyed me a little bit. (laughs) Some folks might say, I feel some kind of way about that. And there are these crunches, which crunches are just, I'm over it. I can't stand this anymore. I'm going to explode. So what we often see is people holding on to those pinches And then eventually becomes a crunch and they want it to be an explosion. They want it to be a write-up. They want it to be a termination, God forbid. I think that is the practice. That is the worst practice a person could take on is to just not say anything. Secondarily, if you are going to say something, recognizing that you have a narrative yourself. So you're looking at your self-awareness. How am I feeling and what is the narrative I have? Because I don't have the statistics on this, but I'm going to guess nine times out of 10, your narrative is probably wrong. 
about why that person did that action or that behavior. So if you're going to go into it, if you're going to take the next step, which is I'm going to address this pinch when the pinch happens, just state it. I feel a pinch. I feel some kind of way because you showed up late to work today. Period. And you might say, I'd like to know why you showed up late to work. In the example that I gave you with my clients, that's the point where you find out, oh, the manager just wants to know so they can be comfortable and they can plan their own day. It's not about micromanagement. Absolutely. And in terms of, I don't know the phrase you used earlier, but it was dropping training and then running off. Drop and run. Drop and run. Yeah. I mean, so that's an example of the way that organizations and individuals might try and fix these problems or work through these issues. But I guess there's other things like corporate training days or books and stuff. But I'm imagining that the intensive support that you would give through your programs, both at the individual level and at the organizational level, have a far greater and lasting impact. Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A far greater and lasting impact. And part of it is because you know, you're an HR person, I'm in the social sciences, we all know that behavior needs to be, needs to be inculcated. You have to go back, you have to repeat it over and over again. You need somebody reminding you. Typically, you know, it's an interval of two, three weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between the drop and run and what I'm doing. When I am, I don't want to say forced to do a drop and run, but when someone asks me, hey, can you please just do this training? And I see there's real need one of the things I do at the end is establish some serious accountability. Turn to the person to your left or to your right. You are now accountability partners. And then we work through an action plan very specifically. Over the next X weeks, you're going to meet this many times. You're going to choose this thing to do. So if I have to do a drop and run, I make it about the accountability and the repetitive piece because that's the key to making this happen and making it happen and making it permanent. Yeah. I don't want to tease the engineers again, but I think that kind of structure would work very, very well. So you can diarize stuff. You can put it into the calendar. You've also got tracking and numbers measurables. You could graph it if you want to get it really excited, but it's very structured and it would have a far greater impact for, I think for all people, but certainly for engineering types as well. And let me jump in there. So that's one of the other things about the tech folks that I think I have a little advantage with some other coaches on. I use an assessment called the LVI, the Leadership Versatility Index. Yeah. It gives you that quantitative piece. And I like to do it at the beginning, and then I do it at the end of our engagement, the three-month or six-month engagement. It's very, very, very specific. It's highly quantitative. It gives you numbers that you can look at across the board. So if you're a numbers person, if you're in tech and you get numbers, a scientist I worked at, at a biotech company, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. But that's one of those other things that I can do for a company that is a tech company is I can speak to engineers that way. I spent 17 years working in tech companies, man. <laughs> I get it. So yeah, that's another aspect of it. Engineers like numbers. You're right. So the people listening to this might think, well, Terrell, does it, he's mentioned he knows the industry to a degree, but what kinds of you know client work have you done and what are you doing beyond the good org, the business itself? Yeah. Just recently, I just finished working with a biotech client who is really focused on making materials and equipment for the biotech space. But then there was a startup a pharmaceutical client who just was on the cutting edge of doing some really, really cool stuff around big diseases around the world. You know, one of my first clients was a small gaming company, mobile gaming company. That was a really great experience. But I have a lot of experience working in the mental health space with clinicians and mental health, a large charity on the East Coast that was about housing and feeding people, et cetera. I worked with their chief administrative officer. 
as she moved up through the ranks. And that was a wonderful experience. That was pure coaching. And she was a black woman. This has happened to me a few times where I have been coaching other people who are other black people mm-hmm. who are in industries like tech or other competitive industries. And I've been coaching other gay men as well, as it so happens, because I can bring that unique perspective. But before all this, like I said, I spent 17 years working in marketing technology and advertising technology. I've done it in agencies. I've done it in SaaS, and I did it in a large hotel company. So I get it at every level. Yeah. And I've worked with producers. I've worked with engineers. I get it. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about Stanford Graduate School of Business. What are you doing there? So that is really the crux of what I talk about when I talk about communication. They have this course there that most of the world knows as touchy-feely. It's interpersonal dynamics. is specific to the graduate school of business. There are some different flavors of it, like weekend and things. But I'm a facilitator where I'm working with these students at the graduate school of business, getting their MBAs or their master's of science degrees. And I'm teaching them. Well, I'm not teaching the class. They go to a class. But I'm in the laboratory, so to speak, guiding them as a facilitator on how to have these difficult conversations. My goal is to change the way America does business, the way business communicates. And that's about getting to the leaders. Get to the leaders. They can change the culture much quicker. So the work at Stanford is really important to me. I'm going to be coaching Master of Science students in the GSB come the fall as well. I'm going to be doing some coaching with them as well. You've got all the bases covered there. The business itself, the good org, you've got, I guess, a couple of different offerings. Can you explain to people listening what it is that you offer and how they might potentially work with you? Yeah, there are three potential offerings. And the first one, this is probably my favorite. I call them power sessions. It's a one-hour session where we get in, we get out. If you are a high-level leader who's got a lot of stuff going on, like my clients at some of these big banks that are moving and merging, things like that, you sometimes just have a question. I have this employee. Here is this specific problem. We can get in, we can get out. That's a one hour session. I like to call it a power session. Nice. The second is what you think of when you think of a person like me, which is the one-on-one leadership development coaching package. Like I said, I start with my assessments. Typically there are three assessments I start with. And then I'll sit down with that person, go through those assessments before we even start coaching. So they understand where they can grow or maybe what they need to change. And then we'll move into a series of bi-weekly check-ins, usually 50 minutes. It'll be me and them. If I have another coach that I decide may work better with them, I might pair them. And then we will come back at the end of our coaching engagement, at the end of the three months or six months. And we will look back at one of those assessments. Like I said, it's highly quantitative. And look at our before and after. And then lastly, I have my OD consulting. You know, Ben, I have a master's degree in organization development, and I really love that piece. But that just covers a lot of other things. You have lots of other interventions. I'd start with some interviews and assessments, and then go into an actual plan about how we can make change. I might even be in the workplace for six months to two years, that sort of a thing. And one of the things that I find I do a lot of under what I would call the OD consulting is the mix of trainings and workshops and facilitated discussions to help these organizations grow and learn more. But I'm open to discussions around the OD consulting and I want to make sure people get what they need. And 
it isn't a drop and run and that we can change the organization in addition to changing the person. I love it. And it's such a great range of services there. And yeah, thinking with my HR hat on, the OD consulting services, that's just so important because if you take one person in isolation and try and work on them and give them no other support other than giving them some coaching and working through an intensive program, they will certainly get better and make changes to their style and impact their team, but they will have a far greater impact and improve the business in a much better way if the organization is changing around them rather than just working in isolation. So I think it's a great idea to offer that as well in conjunction with the executive coaching that you offer and the power sessions. They sound awesome. I think that's great. Just that pebble in the shoe thing, get something resolved and then you can free up to look at the next stage. And where is the organization going to go beyond that? Exactly. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about you and the good org, what should they do next? My preferred way is actually just go ahead and go to www.thegoodorg.com, not .org, goodorg.com. And secondarily, they can link up with me, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm slash IN slash TK Holmes, if you need to find me there. Excellent. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the go, it's thegoodorg.com and we'll have Terrell's LinkedIn profile linked in the show notes as well. But yeah, Terrell, you've built a great business and you're helping organizations and individual leaders improve so much. So I thank you for that and I commend you for that. And I wish you all the best for the future. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.